This morning's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 9 through 17. Listen to the word of God. Jesus replied, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been with you all this time? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I have spoken to you, I don't speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Trust me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on account of the works themselves. I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. They will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask for in my name, so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. When you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion, who will be with you forever. The companion is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him. Because he lives with you and will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. It's the first time since I've been here that we got this sign. I got briefed on that as soon as I came in the door. They said when they do this, you got to ask people to move together. So I wonder what it is about today. And I think I know. Montgomery brought the glasses back. This morning we're concluding a sermon series called God and the Bleachers, and next week we're actually launching into a new sermon series called Second Chances. Uh, one of the things about a sermon series, I'll always try and give you a heads up when a new sermon series is about to begin. This next sermon series is all about grace uh, and hope. And so it's a great opportunity if there's someone that you've been thinking about inviting to come to worship with you. Next, next Sunday is a great, great opportunity for them to jump on board here at Ebenezer. So I hope you'll prayerfully consider uh, who might be uh, someone who could benefit from this loving faith community that we share together in the name of Christ. Would you pray with me? Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our fortress and our deliverer. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So this morning, I want to introduce a new phrase to you. And the phrase is economic trinity. And that does not mean dollars, cents, and finance. Economic means the work of the house. It's the way God is at work in the world as creator, redeemer, sustainer of the world. And the thing about the economic trinity is, this is what we have been talking about these last couple weeks in this series, The God and the Bleachers. We've been asking ourselves, how is God at work in the world? Three weeks ago, we talked about the fact that God is the great creator. God created, and then there was this this fall. Adam and Eve had this experience. And it wasn't like God said, oh no, what am I going to do now? It wasn't that God was surprised or God ran out of options. God knew before ever God created that the cost of creation was going to be great and God created anyway. And what that tells us is God is the great lover of the world. Before God ever created, God was already in love with the creation. And if God is the lover of the world, it tells us something about ourselves as well. We are loved no matter what. 
The next week, we talked about Jesus who came to the earth as Emmanuel, God with us, to walk with us through the deepest valleys and on the most beautiful mountaintops, that every single place that we would step in this world, Christ was going to be with us. In the Christ event, what we see is God once and for all issuing acceptance to the world. God says, you're mine and I'm yours. And if God is the one who accepts the world, we are the ones who are accepted. We are the ones who have a place to belong. Last week, we talked about this crazy story about a chariot funky looking chariot and in the course of this story we got to this idea that that we are actually the ones who are carrying the holy spirit of god inside of us that god is a missional god and if god is a missional god it means that we too are a people who have purpose put all those three things together and by watching how god is at work in the world we learn that god is the great lover of the world god is the one who accepts the world and god is in mission with the world that in turn teaches us something about ourselves we are loved we are accepted with a place to belong and we too have a purpose that's what we learn about god as we look at the economic trinity but the economic trinity is not the only way to think of the Trinity. It's the way we think of the the Trinity in the three parts as Father, Son, and Spirit, as Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. There is actually another way to think of the Trinity. Another way to think of the Trinity is the phrase imminent Trinity. And imminent means within or or immediate. So think of the imminent Trinity like if you were to take an x-ray of God... This is the what happens inside of God's self. Not how God is at work in the world, but how God is at work inside of God's self. And this is a really beautiful idea... The idea of the imminent trinity is that, that each member of the divine Godhead is constantly stepping out of the way to give glory to the next. The Spirit steps out of the way to bring glory to the Son. The Son steps out of the way to bring glory to the Father. The Father steps out of the way so that the Spirit and the Son can proceed forth to the world. It, it's, it's a beautiful, perfect symbiosis. I've been doing this for like 10 years. I can tell when people are riveted. It feels to me like it's possible. You may not be riveted by my conversation of the imminent trinity. So, let's just put it to the side for a minute. We'll come back to it. I want to tell you something about me that you probably don't know about your new pastor. Your new pastor is a phenomenal dancer. <laughs> it's true. You can, you can actually you can bear witness to this on Sunday mornings because you can watch me kind of dance over here. Some people think dancing shouldn't happen in worship. Dan- David danced before the Lord. He danced naked. I am not advocating that. <laughs> but uh, here's the thing. I've noticed here as my, in my month at Ebenezer Church that we've got some people here that in worship like to do some hand raising. Yes? Yes? And we've got some other people who that's not really our thing, right? And that's cool, because if you're a hand raiser, you are welcome at Ebenezer Church. And if you're not a hand raiser, you too are welcome at Ebenezer Church. But here's my fear. I fear that there are some people in these pews who want to be hand raisers, but nobody ever taught them how. (laughs) So I learned how from a guy named Tim Hawkins. And I just thought that maybe one of the things I could do today, because I like to dance, is I could teach you, if you're one of those people that wants to raise your hand but you don't know how, I could teach you how to do it. 
So here's the thing. The first lesson in, in hand-raising in church is you don't start here, right? Nowhere else to go if you get up here first, okay? <laughs> you kind of start in here. The Alan stands up. He's kind of doing the pre-worship thing. You stand up in the first song. You just got your hands in your pockets. It's no big deal. You start doing your wing flap, right? <laughs> just flap my wings for Jesus. No big deal. Get my heart rate up. It's going to be a good service. About halfway through the first song, I can't keep my hands in my pockets anymore. I start carrying the TV. Just carry the TV. Carry the TV. Into the first song, I carry the big screen. I'm carrying the big screen TV. Okay? We get in the middle of the second song, and you can't keep your hands down low anymore. You gotta bring up, but you don't go too high yet. So my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're lying, maybe my fish was this big, right? My fish was just this big. I like that. At a certain point, you might transition to hold my baby, hold my baby, hold my baby, hold my baby, just hold my baby. Uh, you can do, go to dueling light bulbs. I see people do this this from time to time, the dueling light bulbs thing, right? I like that. Uh, uh, you, you can you could you could always try the the goalposts. That's a pretty that's a pretty normal one. Goalposts. And the thing I like about goalposts is goalposts is really versatile because you can go from goalposts to heartburn <laughs> to double heartburn back to goalposts, and you don't lose anything. It's great. It's great. Maybe at some point in the midst of the service, you want to get really crazy. You do the Mufasa. This is the Mufasa right here. I like that one. I like that. Uh, I, I love it. Some some people don't want to raise both hands. They just want to raise one. I see a lot of men giving Jesus a high five. I like that one. A lot of women washing the window. Nothing wrong with that. And then towards the end of the service, you want to go for the big three, but not towards till the last song. The last song, you go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. That is how you raise hands in worship church. Now, the thing is this. I like to dance. I like to dance in worship, but that's not the only time I like to dance. I like to dance all the time. I got all kinds of crazy good moves. I can moonwalk. What? It's great. Please, hammer, don't hurt them. I got that one. Okay. I can whip. I can nay-nay. It's phenomenal. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. It's, don't worry about it. Okay. Got the robot here, right there. But I have a signature move. I'm going to show it to you. You can use it. You just got to give me credit because people have been using it and not telling other folks where they learned it. If I really get into my, in my groove when I'm dancing, my thing is called the sprinkler. It goes a little something like this. You're welcome. You can use it anytime you want to, church. You're welcome. Now, it turns out I'm not the only great dancer at Ebenezer Church. We had some folks send in some videos. We made a montage. Check it out. Ebenezer people. Love it. I love it. So I love to dance. I'm glad that we got some other people around here who love to dance. But I've got a story about that for you. So uh, my wife and I met when we were in the Air Force. Uh, I got to do four tours in Iraq, but when we were engaged... She went on a tour six months to Iraq. And, uh, I just, there are, we got some Marines in here and, and all kinds of different, uh, service personnel. God bless you for your service. But here's the thing. There were times where it was difficult for me to go to war. The hardest thing I've ever done is watch that woman that I love so much get on a bus that was going to take her to a jet that was going to take her to war. So I think that it's important when we pray for our, our service women and men that we pray not only for the ones who are in uniform, but we pray for moms and dads and sisters and brothers and husbands and wives and sons and daughters of those who are supporting our freedom. So one day I, I watched Andy get on this thing, and we were engaged to be married. She left in January. She was coming back in July. We were going to get married in September. So 
While she was away in Iraq, I thought, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to take a ballroom dancing class. So when she comes back, she already knows I'm a phenomenal dancer, but I'm going to take it to another level. (laughs) So I went to this ballroom dancing (laughs) class, and this is what they taught me. One, two, three, four. It's called a box step. I I don't know if you caught the nuance of it. One, (laughs) two, three, four. They tried to keep this in a box. (laughs) You believe that? Ridiculous. Turns out, (laughs) I am not a phenomenal ballroom dancer. But have you ever seen people that were? My wife likes to watch Dancing with the Stars. You ever watch people who are really, really, really good at ballroom dancing? It's it's quite a sight. It really it really is. They 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 turn and they twirl and they toss each other and they catch each other. It's you know they 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 move in such synchronicity. It's almost like it's almost like the two people have become extensions of one another's body. Like you know they're two different people, but when they're dancing, they look like they're they're one entity. Have you seen this before? That's the imminent trinity. It's this perfectly choreographed dance in which the three members of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, they're in perfect synchronicity with one another. It's such a beautiful dance that the three actually are one. And, and the beautiful thing about the imminent Trinity, the beautiful thing about that divine dance is we have always thought that the Trinity was there just to describe what it means for God to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How the three are one. But the Trinity isn't there simply to be descriptive. It's there to be prescriptive. When we look at that perfect way that the Holy Spirit steps out of the way to love the Son... And the Son steps out of the way to love the Father, how they nurture one another, how they hold each other in perfect unity. When we look at that beautiful dance, what we find is the blueprint for what we're supposed to look like in our relationships with one another in the church of Jesus Christ. It's a dance. It's a dance that can be done so well that we stop seeing the individual members and we start seeing the body of Christ. The imminent trinity isn't something that just describes who God is. It teaches us who we can be if we're willing to love and care and reach out to one another well. You know, in the scripture passage we read this morning from John chapter 14, we find the clearest example of Trinitarian theology in all of the Bible. That passage comes to us as part of something called the farewell discourse of John. Farewell discourse is the last... Words Jesus spoke, according to John, as a free man. Immediately after he's done with the farewell discourse, Jesus is arrested. I just want to point out to you something about these last words that Jesus shares with the world. Jesus begins the farewell discourse in John chapter 13 with these words. He says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you you also must love one another. He goes on to say, For by this all the world will know you belong to me if you have love one for another. Jesus begins his final words as a free man on the earth by commanding us to love one another. But that's not where he stops. He continues on to teach and reach his disciples. And then 
at the last, the last words he speaks as a free man are called the high priestly prayer. First he prays for himself, then he prays for his disciples, then Jesus prays for all of us. And here's what he says. I'm not praying only for the disciples, but also for those who believe in me because of their word. I pray they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they also will be in us so the world will believe you sent me. Jesus prays for you. Jesus prays for me. And his prayer, his last words as a free man are that we would be one. Why? Because when we act as one, when we dance the world will know He sent us. There is a a special person in my life. I want to bring up a picture of her. Uh, That's my friend, Miss Jennifer. Uh, I'm going to ask us to leave that picture up for just a minute because, first of all, um, you're asking, what what is she doing? (laughs) Well, she's shooting a pumpkin cannon, as you do. Uh, I think that one of my first big changes here at Ebenezer Church is I think I'm going to try and find us a pumpkin cannon to shoot at Mount Ararat. What do you think? <laughs> I actually met some of their campus pastors. They're phenomenal people. Uh, and if you see, that's Miss Jennifer in the foreground. And then right behind her in pigtails is a little treasure. Uh, she's my little treasure. It's Parker, my daughter. Now, the thing about Miss Jennifer is she's a retired kindergarten teacher. And when Andy and I were pregnant with our first child, Brock... Uh, we, we lived in Virginia and we don't have any family around here and we thought, oh, what, you know, what are we going to do? And, uh, we said, well, Miss Jennifer, maybe, maybe Miss Jennifer would come and be, you know, be part of our, our process of raising little Brock. And so from the day he was born, she, she kind of became part of our family. She would come to our home and she would help to watch him. When Parker came along, she, she brought Parker into her life. Fast forward to Monday of this week. My wife was supposed to start clinic on Tuesday and she called me here at the office and said, Brock, your son has strep throat. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, I'm sure we could have called on anybody in the church and you would have been kind enough to come and help us with our children. But when your kids are sick, they want to be around somebody they know. So about seven o'clock that night, My little daughter comes walking in the living room and she says, Miss Jennifer's here. She'd driven four and a half hours from Pembroke. Not because she had to. See, what happened over the course of the last five years is that she fell in love with those kids. And they fell in love with her. They danced together. You don't have to dance. We get to. A number of folks have asked me, Pastor Rob, what is your vision for Ebenezer Church? And it's not complete yet, but I know this. I want everybody in this room and everybody who we touch to know three things. One, I want us to know that we are loved no matter what. Two, I want us to know we have a place to belong and it's right here. Three, I want every human being to know that they have a purpose. Now once we get those three things down, I want us to dance with each other. I want us to dance in such a way that we are supporting each other, that we're loving each other, that we're reaching out and being in true connection with one another. We're crying with one another when we're down. We're 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 filled with joy with one another when we're up. 
Yes, we have to know on a personal level that we're loved. And yes, we need to know that we belong. And yes, we need to know that we have a purpose, but we also need to dance with one another. We need to be in such perfect unity with one another that other people are inspired to jump on the dance floor with us. We need to be such a remarkable community of faith that people look around and they say, I want to be part of that. Look at the way those people are loving each other. Look at the way they're supporting each other. There's almost rhythm to it. There is. It's a dance. Last week I said that there are three things that every good sermon has in it. What, so what, now what? What? God is in perfect symbiosis. God is in a perfect dance with God's own self. So what? We're called to have relationships that look like that. Now what? Well... This is the season of the year in which we begin to start talking about our small groups. And if I'm not in a small group, i got to ask myself, why? Because the greatest gift in my life isn't my job or my house. The greatest gift in my life are my relationships. And if I'm not in relationships that are drawing closer to the people around me, then I'm missing a remarkable blessing from God. So if you're not in a small group, I want to invite you today to go to our connection point and there's a sign-up sheet there and there are people that are going to take your name and we'll get in contact with you and we'll get you plugged into the right small group, people with whom you can dance. And if you're already in a small group, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to take a next step. To be asking one another, how can we support each other better? How can we draw closer to one another? How can we care for one another? How can our relationship be so beautiful that people look at this and see the glory of God? Set the bar high. Because the Trinity has given us a great example. You are loved no matter what. You have a place to belong and it is right here. You have purpose in this life. Now, let's dance.